as you're grabbing your seats, go ahead and grab your Bible if you have one. And if you need one, there'll be some Bibles there on the chairs in front of you, underneath you. Uh, if you have your own Bible, we're going to uh, Psalm 34 is where we're going to start. If you're using the Bibles from the chair, I believe that's page 615. Uh, just open up the Bible, let it fall open, and usually it'll open up to the middle, which will usually fall to Psalms. If for you, you fall to uh, Proverbs and flip back a book, if you fall to Job and flip forward a book, and you'll find yourself in Psalm. And so we're going to get there in a bit, Psalm 34. Uh, before we do, but uh, let me say this. So I have, uh, I have not been here preaching for the last um, four Sundays. So it's been four Sundays. Now, I've been here except for one of them. But we've had some fantastic preaching over the last couple of weeks, haven't we? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We had some fantastic preaching. So last week, how many of you were here last week? Yep, Keith Weldon preached. Now, I don't know if you guys, I know he's here now. I don't want to don't make him uncomfortable, but I know you guys may not realize this, but that's not your typical first sermon. That's not. You just don't get that level of preaching on your typical first sermon. Uh, usually it's a lot worse, and he was fantastic. I mean, it, when I say it's a lot worse, I don't mean it was bad. I'm saying you didn't have a bad sermon, right? This was not some guy testing it out, right? This is evidence that, that God is clearly gifted, Keith, and that is so neat. I love the fact that we're able to pull leaders uh, and people who, are, who God is raising up from among us to be able to come and preach the word. That is an answer to prayer, and that is fantastic. So, Keith, thanks for, for doing that last week. You're more than a fill-in. You might be on the rotation, brother. <laughs> and then before that, we had Don Kirby preaching. If you didn't catch that, both of those sermons, they're up online. And Don, man, he's a passionate guy. Loves the Lord, loves the Word, and he he was clearly passionate. I love being able to sit on that. I grow, I grow from these opportunities. And when then just our staff, we've got Russ and Jeff. When when these guys step in, I mean, it's not a a normal common thing to have the the, the type of a talent and skill and ability that we have to pull from. It's not normal. It's not common for a church uh, our size in the middle of some wheat fields to be able to pull from such gifted and talented folks who can then bring the word and preach it faithfully. I love it because it gives me opportunities to grow, and it gives you more opportunities to grow. So I, I hope that if you haven't caught some of those, you'll go and catch those. Um, but like like Jeff said, uh, it's been it's been four Sundays for me, and like Jeff said, I'll be out of a job when we get to heaven because there's no need for preaching. And so combine that with I haven't preached for four Sundays, you know what that means, right? You don't know what that means? Buckle up. Buckle up. Somebody said it's going to be really short. You only hope. You only hope. I got I to gotta catch up. I got to make up for, for what I'm not going to get to do later. So here's what I want to do. I want to start um, this, this morning uh, with something that we can all relate to, something um, that we can all identify with, that, that it, it nourishes us, it uh, satisfies us. Um, we, we enjoy it. I think, I think that would be safe to say, but it's something that, that we can all relate to. Now, if you can't see what I've got up here, there's a picture of that. I got here a nice medium to medium rare sirloin steak. I've got a salad here, kale salad. It could be spinach if you prefer spinach, but kale with some Granny Smith apples, some walnuts, and some feta cheese. And I have up here this fantastic Greek vinaigrette. You could put a light balsamic on it. It would be great, too. Right? And, and man. I've been warming it up. I don't know if you heard the sizzle. You know? Yeah. 
was good. You know, I didn't have breakfast this morning. Normally I would have breakfast. I, I didn't. Oh, that's good. That's good. Now, don't hate me. Um, just thank me when you pray for your steak at lunch today. For those of you who are going to rush out and grab one. And cattle ranchers, you're welcome. We're going to flood the market, create a demand this morning. But this, this, this is good. You know, maybe the steak's not your thing. Maybe for you, it's it's the salad. Maybe you know you're not a salad person. That's why I have the steak. You know, and here's the thing about this. I love this kind of meal. I love eating the steak when it's warm, but I still like the medium rare. Now, now some of you I know, somebody said to me this morning, looks like it needs to be cooked a little more. I disagree. It might be a little overcooked. To be honest with you. But you know, however you like it. When I know that there's a meal like this coming, then there's some certain things that I intentionally and I consistently do. I mean, and, and you do this too, right? So, so when I know that this is the type of meal that I'm going to have, I look forward to this, right? I start to prepare for it, right? I, I, long before it ever is in front of me, I'm preparing for it. Yes, and you're shaking your head. You got me. You're already preparing for it, right? And, and, then, and then after I've prepared for it, I actually show up to eat the meal. I mean, that's an important step, right? But I actually show up and I eat it. And then when I'm eating it, you know, kind of, kind of like what, what, what you guys just, you know, saw me do. I, I enjoy it, you know? I, hmm, that's good. That bite was even better. It was a little warmer. Mm-hmm. And I enjoy it. And I express my delight in it. Yeah. And then, you know, if I really had a great meal, I enjoyed it, or maybe I ate it at a restaurant, I then go and tell others about it. Right? I mean, I can't help but not tell them. You know, I mean, it's just, I, I've got to tell you about this wonderful meal I had and how great the service was, and, and it just kind of overflows out of me. Kind of like what I'm, you know, I'm, I'm telling you about this thing. I mean, it's pretty, pretty good. I, I'm not going to eat another bite. You know, I don't want to do that to you. you know, but, but that's what I want to talk about this morning. Enjoying God. Enjoying God. And I want to start with something that we can all identify. You know, maybe this is not your thing. Maybe you're not a meat eater. Just don't tell anyone in here, okay? But, you know, maybe, maybe there's something that you get excited about and that you enjoy. Put that in the picture. And ask yourself, do I prepare for those things when I know I'm about to enjoy them? Do I actually show up to enjoy it? Yeah, you do show up in there. Do I express my delight in those things? Yeah, you probably do. It may not even be food. It may be an event you attend. Do you tell others about it? You do. I mean, that's what I want to talk about this morning. Enjoying God. And, and so as I was reflecting on 2016... And, you know, kind of thinking through some things, praying about some things. There are some things that, that I was burdened with. And I don't mean burdened in a negative sense, but burdened in the sense that I felt the weight of them. And I wanted them more than ever for me, for you as individuals, and then for us as the church. I, I wanted them more. And so I shared them with the staff early in December, our last staff meeting. And then when we had our elder meeting in December, I shared it with the elders. And we were discussing it. And we agreed that this would be something that would be good to share with you all. And so that's what I want to do this morning. And there's going to be some applications that, that come away from this. But in order to sum this all up, I'll, I'll sum it up like this. When you enjoy God, you enjoy worshiping God. When you enjoy God, you enjoy worshiping God. And if that's true, think about what the reverse implies. When you enjoy God, you enjoy worshiping God. So we're going to start with Psalm 34, verse 8. So if you're not there already, you want to go to Psalm 34, verse 8, page 615, if you use in the Bibles there from the chairs. And this is a psalm of David. And here's what David says. If you've been around the church for a little while or you grew up in it, it's probably a verse that you know, probably a verse that you've heard. But what I want to do is unpack it a little bit and, and, and help us to think about it, maybe in a way we haven't thought about before. 
David says this, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the one who takes shelter in him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Now, now we read through that and we think, taste. Yeah, I don't taste this. Taste and see the Lord is good. And we might be tempted to just pass over because taste is the word we use in our language pretty regularly. Hey, have you tasted that? That steak? Have you, hey, have you tried this before? Do you know what it tastes like? I mean, we use this all the time. And so when we see a word like that, we go, yeah, I get that. But we need to stop and slow down a little bit and, and dig into that word a little bit. Taste. It can mean, you know, test the flavor of something. Kind of, kind of like, you know, I mean, I'm testing the flavor of the steak so I know what it tastes like. I, I want to I know when I look at a picture like this, I, I start to, to go, yeah, I remember what that tastes like. I've had a salad, and, and I know kind of what it tastes like from feta cheese and Benny Smith apples and kale and walnuts and kind of mixed in a balsamic vinaigrette dress. I kind of know how that all melds together. I, I've tested the flavor of it. Test the flavor to see how something tastes. But it, it can also mean to savor. Savor something. And you, you know what savor is, right? You know, savor is where you... You know, you take a, take a bite, let's get, a, let's get a small one. I don't want to be chewing in front of you guys much more. You know, I'm conscious, self-conscious. Mm. Savor means, I don't just swallow that. Maybe I chew just a little bit of the juices for them. And I start to taste the seasoning. Well, I can taste the black pepper. A little sea salt. And I rub some onion powder and some garlic salt on it. Mm-hmm. And I have some special sauce. Brian, tell me what that is. Right and taste it. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's good. Yeah. That's how you savor. You slow down. Right? You, you, you focus in on it. I was focusing on my tongue, my taste buds. Every one of them is coming alive. My palate, you know? All that. That's how you savor. We know how to savor. But to taste also metaphorically and kind of creating a picture, it means I've learned something about something, the steak or the food or whatever. I, I, I've noticed something. I've learned it. I've, I, I've taken note of it because I've experienced it. Taste and see that the Lord is good. I know what that steak tastes like. I can look at a picture like this and I can say, now I know what that's probably going to taste like because I've experienced it. And you, if you had a steak, I mean, you're probably thinking, yeah, I know what that's going to taste like or, or at least close because I've experienced Taste and see that the Lord is good. But, but what is David who wrote this psalm? What does he really know about this? I mean, does he really understand what he's saying? Does he have any experience to back that? Yeah. Oh, yeah, he does. You see, this psalm was written uh, about a time before David was actually king of Israel. He, he was anointed. He knew that, that he was going to be the king, but Saul was still the king. And so David had this period of time, several years, where he was the anointed king. He knew God was, was preparing him to be the king, and Saul was on his way out, but that timing didn't, didn't quite come right away. And so there was a time where, where David was not the king on the throne. And Saul knew that. See, Saul had gotten wind that, that David was the anointed one and that God was done with Saul. And, and, and David had won the hearts and the minds of the people, right? He was a warrior and he had brought great victory. And people had even written songs about David, you know, about how many people David had slain. And Saul had heard these songs and it created envy and jealousy in Saul. So much so that, that Saul tried to kill David multiple times. You know, David was playing his harp one day and, and trying to soothe Saul. But instead, all Saul could focus on was his jealousy and his envy. And so he hurled a spear at David, 
tried to kill him right there. David's on the run, and, and Saul's chasing after him. And it's, I mean, it's great stories to read through the book of 1 Samuel to see how David's running from Saul and, and, and Saul's sending people after him. But there's one of these times where, where David's trying to flee from Saul, and he's trying to find safety away from the people who are chasing him. So he goes and tries to find safety among another group of people, from people that were considered enemies of the Israelites. In fact, the, the people that, that David's trying to take refuge among are some of the people that David's known for killing hundreds and thousands of their men, their warriors. It, the songs that were written about David were sung about him killing these people. And here he now finds himself among his enemies trying to take refuge. And as he does, uh, you know, he's, he's there, he's in the land, and people start to notice, hey, do you know who this guy is? I, I recognize this guy. Don't you know that this is David, the one who has slain thousands? So here David is standing before the king of these people, and all this whispering is taking place, and he's aware that people are recognizing him. And so David decides in that moment he's, he's going to try something. He realizes his life's on the line. And so he starts to just spit. Kind of like drool and drop down his beard. He dribbles, kind of pushing it out. I'm not going to demonstrate. But he's just like running down his beard. And maybe he crosses his eyes a little bit, and maybe he starts to tick or something. You know, he starts to pretend like he's lost his mind. And he's just spitting and just running down his beard. And, and he's looking like he lost his mind. And the king looks at him and goes, are you kidding me? This, this is David, the one who slayed thousands. You think this guy can do anything? You think I should be afraid of this guy? And so with that, the king lets David go. David would later write the Psalm, Psalm 34. And the first couple of verses of Psalm 34 is David describing how he was under trouble, he was under stress, he was being persecuted, he was near death, and yet God answered and delivered him. And so then he says to his readers, to you, to me, he says, taste and see that the Lord is good, because he has already experienced that. He has called out to God, and God has answered him. He has taken refuge in him. He has depended upon God. He's trusted in God. He's leaned into God. He has taken shelter into God, and God has proven himself faithful. And David's able to say, taste and see, and you will find the same thing. God is good. And he who takes shelter in him will be blessed, will be happy. That's what blessed means. He'll be happy. So we talk about enjoying God. What I want to kind of talk about is, it's going to apply to outside of our setting here on Sunday morning, but I really want to kind of focus in on how do we enjoy God more when we gather to worship? For us, it's right now, it's Sundays. Maybe sometimes you attend a church on Saturday night. But when you gather to worship, how do you enjoy God more? How do we taste and see that the Lord is good? And so I told you that when I sit down and have a meal like this, there are certain things I intentionally and I consistently do. And there's some things that I think we can intentionally and consistently do that will help us grow in our enjoyment of God and therefore grow in worshiping God and enjoying worshiping God. And the first thing is prepare for it. Like I said, when, when I know that this meal is coming, I'm preparing for it. Or like when I was in Houston this past week, right, and there's a, this restaurant in Texas, it's called Lupe Tortilla. I've told you guys about it before. And, and when I go there, it's the lime pepper marinated steak fajitas. If you ever make your way into Dallas or Houston and you find yourself at Lupe Tortilla, don't even look at the menu. Get the steak fajitas. You're welcome. 
Okay? And they're just something, there's nothing like them, right? I've never found anything to match them. And so whenever we go down to Houston to visit my, my wife's parents, we always make sure we're going to Lupe Tortilla at least once, usually two, sometimes three times. And, and, I, and I know that that's coming. And so when we got there this week, this past week on that Sunday, we, we were told Tuesday. Tuesday is the night we're going to go to Lupe. That was Sunday. I started preparing on Sunday. You know what I mean? I, I mean, here's how I prepare for that meal, right? I'm, I'm thinking about those fajitas. I know they're coming. I, I, I'm starting to think about them long in advance. I, I'm starting to, to imagine how they taste, and I'm remembering that. I, I'm even maybe starting to salivate a little bit in my mouth, thinking about that lime pepper marinade. That, that this, oh, it's beautiful, right? I'm thinking about it, right? Um, I, I maybe start to make room for it, right? The day of. I guarantee you I didn't eat lunch the day of. I had a shake for lunch on that day. Because when I got to those fajitas that night, I knew I'm going four or five of them at least. Full pound of fajitas. My wife only eats one, which she puts like three, maybe four pieces of steak in there. The rest, there's no leftovers, baby. And we just don't bring it home. It's going to be eaten. And I normally don't eat like that. But when I go to Lupe Tortilla, I prepare for that. I make sure there's room for that. I start to expect things. I start to expect that they're going to taste a certain way. Right, I prepare for it. We can prepare ourselves to gather for worship. What do you do to prepare yourself to gather for Sunday morning? Well, what do you do on Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening, to prepare your heart? Are you thinking about worshiping God on Saturday? Are you thinking about God? Are you starting to turn your heart, your mind, if it hasn't already turned? Are you doing any of that? Or are you just running headlong into Sunday and boom, you hit the wall on Sunday morning. Oh, I guess we've got to go to church. What are you doing to prepare yourself? Are you making room in your heart for worship? Are you starting to build expectations? Are you starting to get excited? I mean, because, you know, I get excited ahead of time about this kind of stuff. It's food, right? And you get excited ahead of time when you know I'm about to have a good meal or I'm going to go enjoy this meal. Are you starting to build your excitement about gathering to worship God? You know, there's been different seasons before I was uh, preaching on Sunday mornings where this was my role. Of course, now my, my Saturday night prep looks different than it ever has before. But before I was preaching, there were seasons where I would prepare myself on Saturdays before I would gather the worship on Sunday. And that would be different ways. You know, sometimes I would, I would open up the Bible and I'd just start reading through a book. And I'd start just reading, just for the sake of reading the Word and starting to tune my heart and my mind to, 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 to the Lord so I could start to prepare myself to worship and gather worship on, on Sunday. Or maybe it was if I knew what the, the, the text was going to be for the next uh, morning, then I would read through that so I'd start thinking about it ahead of time. So that way when I showed up, it's not the first time I heard it, I'm starting to think about it. Right? It would start to get me excited because, I, oh man, I've already started to think about this. I've created room for it. That's my weekend month. My heart's not ready to worship. I need to, I need to ask the Lord, God, help me. Prepare my heart so that I can worship you tomorrow as we gather. Oh, Lord, Lord, Lord uh, what do you want me, how do you want me to worship you tomorrow? Maybe I'd pray something like that. What, 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 what do you want to do tomorrow? What do you want to speak through me? And understand, I am fully aware, Sunday morning, when you gather worship, is not the only time that one, you can worship, or two, that God can speak to you. I get that. I get that. But this is a special gathering. And this, is, this is a special gathering of the church where we gather together to worship corporately. That is a unique thing. And God's presence shows up in a unique way when, when that happens. And so, God, what are you going to do? How do you want me to worship? I'm preparing for it. I'm building excitement about worshiping. I'm building expectation that God is going to speak. 
He's got something he wants to say, something he wants to show to me, and it's going to be through his word, through his scriptures, through the Holy Spirit revealing that to me. Maybe someone's going to say something, but I'm just, God, I'm waiting. What do you do to prepare? You know, I, so we prepare, but you know, what a shame it would be if, if we, have, we know we're having a meal, I've got to enjoy it, and we prepare for it, we build expectations, we get excited, but we never show up. So the other thing is, I show up for the meal. Right? When, I, when I know I'm, I'm eating like this, or Lupe tortillas on Tuesday night, I guarantee my schedule's clear. I'm going to make sure I show up. And so when we show up here, and, that, and I'm not trying to guilt anyone. That's not never been my goal. In fact, some of you got mad at me early on when I got here because I was saying, don't come here out of obligation, right? Don't come here because someone guilted you. And that's still what I would say to you. I don't want that to be your motive. But what I do want to say is, are, is this a priority? Because if you say it's a priority and you're a scheduler and you got a calendar and it's not on your schedule or your calendar, it's probably not a priority because if it's a priority, you put it on your calendar. If I have an appointment during the week, if I'm supposed to have a, a project due or something like that, say for me a project due is every Sunday, right? So can you imagine if I didn't schedule in study time? That's 15, 20, sometimes 25 hours of my week, easy. Can you imagine if I didn't schedule that? What would I be saying about what I'm doing right now. Not a priority. We schedule our priorities. And so maybe you're a schedule keeper, you keep calendar. Is it on your calendar? Because if it's not, it's all too easy. Hey, you want to come with me this weekend? Oh, uh, yeah, I ain't got nothing going. But if you have it on your calendar because it's a priority and you prepare to show up, you're going to think twice, um, no, no, I, I, I can't. Well, can we be back by... And, and hear me when I say this. Okay, look, you're going to travel. There's going to be opportunities. Absolutely, I get that. Take those opportunities, you know? And when you take them, take them without guilt. Take them without, without shame, without feeling like, oh, well, i got to get back. But when you're here, and by here I mean in town, be here. Show up. Because how can we grow in enjoying God and enjoying worship God if we're not showing up? And when we show up, let's show up with intent and with purpose. So that when we show up here and the service is starting, let's be prepared to engage. Let's be prepared to, to, to see what God wants to do and how He wants us to worship. Let's not have a conversation with our neighbor through the middle of the sermon. You don't think I see that? I see that. Now, none of you are going to move at all. Now, I understand. Sometimes you've got to whisper because you're going, that was a really good point you made. Did you see what was on Facebook? I can't believe that. No. Look, guys, I, I just want, I want us to enjoy God. And I, and I, I think sometimes we become so lackadaisy that... We don't enjoy God because we're just distracted, and then we distract others. I want us to show up, and when we're here, be here. Just like when you show up to enjoy something, man, you're fully there. And that kind of leads me to, to the next thing. I prepare for it, I show up for it, but then when I'm there, I express delight in it. I mean, like, like what I was doing with this, right? I mean, I'm not going to take another bite. I've already eaten more of this in the second service than I did the first service. But, you know, I, I enjoy it. And I express my delight in it. Kind of like, you know, mm, that was good, right? But the, you know, I, I, don't, I don't eat it with a serious face. If I'm going to eat some medium rare steak again, oh, I wish I didn't have to eat medium rare steak again. Well, see, because for me, I, I grew up eating, when we grew up in my house eating steak, maybe you're eating round steak. So now when I get to eat a sirloin or a ribeye or something else, I'm, that's, I'm telling you what, I got a lot of time to make up for it. But I, I, I enjoy it. And so go to Psalm 37. Go to Psalm 37, verse 4. Same author, David. Here's what David says in Psalm 37, verse 4. 
He says, delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself. That word delight, some of you, this is going to make you uncomfortable. Delight yourself. Delight means to take pleasure in, to enjoy. Uh, that includes some emotion. I mean, you know what you do when you enjoy something. That involves emotion. That involves your whole person, right? Delight yourself. See, David doesn't say, um, understand the Lord, and he will give you the desires of God. He, he doesn't say, uh, make sure you have the right beliefs about God, and he will understand, or uh, he will give you the desires of God. Now, those things are important. Right belief, understanding the Lord. But understand being who he is is very important to being able to delight in him. You can't delight him, and then you don't understand who he is. But see, we sometimes, we just think, okay, I understand him, I got the right beliefs, boom, I'm going to worship by agreeing with that. That's true. I approve of that message. But David says, no, delight. Take joy in the Lord. And, and so what that, what that looks like for us is when we gather to worship, you know, it's very easy to not engage. Very easy. It's very easy to sing words on a song and be passionless. And I'm absolutely tired of doing that personally, and I'm tired of it for us. I don't want to sing songs that are passionless. I don't want to sing words that should be moving me because if I'm moved by, by those words, it's because I understand who God is and I understand what He's done for me, and i am not gotten far away from the cross. And so when I sing, How Great Thou Art, or I sing, Holy Spirit, You are welcome here, it's not just words. I don't want it to be just words. I don't want it to be just words for you because that's just the part of the service we're in. I want to engage. And, and, you know, when we engage in worship, some of us, we come and we're very serious. And I get that, right? I mean, we, we come and we're serious because we say, you know what? Seriousness is reverent. And so I've got to be serious. And don't get me wrong. There should be a seriousness to us when we gather. Because there should be a seriousness to us when we understand who we have gathered to worship. When we understand who God is and who we are, that's weighty. And we should be serious. But a lot of times we gather, and, and seriousness for us is, is whether we want to admit this or not, I'm prideful. I'm serious because I don't want to look foolish. I don't want to engage in worship like some of those crazy Jesus-following people do, you know, those crazy people in that other church. I don't want to look like that. So I'm serious. So I agree with the words, and that's worship. But yet you're actively pressing down and suppressing something. That's not worship. And, and if your, your mind's engaged and your intellect's engaged, but you're suppressing all of your emotions, you're not fully worshiping the Lord as He's designed you to worship. Because we're not just intellectual beings, we're emotional beings, and those are not to be separated. Emotions are not bad, they're given to us by God. But yes, when we depend and let emotions lead us all the time, when, when we're not grounded in Scripture, grounded in the Lord, sure, we can get led astray. Don't follow your heart. I would never say follow your heart. The heart is deceptively wicked above all else. But you can't put your emotions aside. I want us to engage more in worship. Don't worry about what other people might think. And, and, and here's the thing about joy. Your joy, it's not complete until it's expressed. It's not complete. You can say, I'm joyful, I have joy. But unless you express that, your joy has not been completed. I mean, we do this all the time. We get this, right? So when I eat a meal like this and I enjoy it, and if I really enjoy it, I can't help but tell you about it. I can't help but praise the cook. I can't help but praise.
praise God for making the cow so that we can eat it. I can't help God for the, the blend of flavors because God didn't have to create flavor. We don't need flavor to be sustained in our life. But when I enjoy something, I can't help but praise it. I can't help but overflow. I want to show you a quote from a guy you might know, C.S. Lewis. Now, before C.S. Lewis was this good Christian writer, right, you may not realize this, but he was an atheist, and he was a good atheist. And by good, I mean he's a smart dude. Right? And then he became a Christian, and he struggled with some things early on in his Christian life, and he wrote this book called Reflection on the Psalms. And maybe you only know him from, like, the Chronicles of Narnia, but he wrote a lot. And he wrote a book, Reflection on the Psalms, and in that book he's talking about praising and how the Psalms talk about praising and how it says things like, clap your hands, all you people, and shout to God, and they're not suggestions. And when it says clap your hands, it's not metaphorical. It means clap your hands. When it says dance, it's not like, oh, that means in my heart. Nope. That's not how David danced. David danced fully, right? So here's what, here's what, what C.S. Lewis says. But the most obvious fact about praise, whether of God or anything, strangely escaped me. He said, I thought of it in terms of compliment, good job, or, you know, approval, or the giving of honor. I had never noticed that all enjoyment spontaneously overflows into praise. Did you catch that? I had never noticed that all enjoyment spontaneously overflows into praise. Lovers praising their mistresses, readers their favorite poet, walkers praising the countryside, players praising their favorite game. My whole more general difficulty about the praise of God depended on my absurdly denying to us, as regards to the supremely valuable, what we delight to do. What indeed we can't help doing about everything else we value. So what he's saying there is, I was squashing this. Something that is so natural for us to do and everything else that we enjoy, everything else that we praise, it overflows to express it. But when it came to what was most valuable, praising God, I was squashing it. I was denying it. He says, I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses, but completes the enjoyment. It is its appointed consummation. Joy is not fully complete until it's expressed. You want to enjoy God and you want to enjoy worshiping, it means you've got to engage in worshiping. Obviously, I'm not giving you a template to say what that looks like, but I am saying that, that we need to ask God, not, not come to, to worship and say, well, God, I, I'm not going to worship that way because that's not comfortable for me. I mean, read through the scriptures. This is a challenge. Go through and, and find where God says, when you gather, gather to worship me in a way that feels comfortable to you. And you know you're not going to find it. Nowhere does God say, you can, you can gather and worship me in these ways. In fact, you read through the Old Testament, God's very specific. You worship this way, this way, this way, this way. He gave those instructions. We shouldn't ask God, well, God, I, I'm not going to worship you because it's not comfortable. So we need to ask God, God, how would you have me worship you? See, because the focus shifts now. It's less on me because it's not about me. When I gather to worship God, it's not about me. It's about Him. God, how would you have me worship today? What are you doing today? How should I express my worship to you today? And so what I'm saying to you is I want us to engage more in worship. Does that mean everybody raising their hands? No, not necessarily. But it does mean if you're aware that you're consciously suppressing something, you need to tune into that. I want to I raise my hand. Good, raise it. I want to say amen. Good, say it. I want to say, you know, preach it. Good, whatever, you know. But but you know the line. I mean, hopefully you know the line. Don't be distracting the others, but just say amen or just raising your hand. or That's not distracting the people. You 
you all have been and experienced where that crosses the line and people are distracted. But don't worry about that. We're far from that. Let me just put it that way. We're far from that. Yep. So ask the Lord, God, what would you have me do? I love it after a sermon, some of you guys will come up and say, man, I want to say amen. I'm, and, I, and I've said it to all of you who said it. And say it. Absolutely say it. It's not going to distract us up here. If it distracts us up here, we'll tell you. We'll be looking at you and go, can you pull it? Well, I guarantee you, there's only maybe one time we would have had to say that so far. Okay? Lord, what would you have me do? And then lastly, I would tell others about it. I would tell others about it. And what I want us to, to, uh, to focus on with that is, uh, is creating more of a culture of evangelism. Right? So, so what I mean by creating a culture of evangelism here is it's not my job, it's not Jeff's job, it's not Russ's job, it's not the elders and deacons' job only. It's all of our jobs as people who call ourselves followers of Christ to go and share the gospel. We are not the professional Christians who do all the work. In fact, that's not biblical. What's biblical is that we come and equip the church to do that work, and then we do it alongside you. But what I, what I want to see is, is it's not absurd and not unheard of for you to show up at church and, and assume that, hey, the person sitting next to me may not be a believer. They may not have trusted in Christ. Don't assume that everyone that shows up at church is, has trusted in Christ. They're not. Some people are coming because they have questions. Some people are coming because, man, they're investigating this stuff. And everyone is welcome. Because uh, we want people to come and, and say, you know, I want to learn more about what the Bible says about Jesus. I want to learn more about what it looks like to follow Christ. But I'm not there yet. I haven't trusted that. Good. You're welcome here. And for those of you who trust in Christ, what I'm saying to you is don't assume that the person sitting next to you is a believer. I mean, you might know them, and so that's the case. But during a service, when's the last time you prayed and said, God, is there anybody you want me to talk to this morning? Or, or, or maybe someone's caught your attention, and you don't, you don't know who they are, and so you go up and you, hey, my name's Justin. Hey, uh, good to have you. I haven't met you yet. What did you think about the morning? And maybe that then spurs on a conversation. And maybe, maybe the Lord uses you to share the gospel with them. Maybe the Lord uses you to pray with them. Instead of you saying, what, do you want to go talk to the preacher? No, no, you're passing up an opportunity. You're passing up uh, an opportunity and you're, and, you're, and you're shucking your responsibility. God wants to use each of his children. And so I want to see us growing in an environment, an atmosphere of evangelism, a culture of evangelism, where you're actively engaged and you're actively praying during the service, during the sermon. God, would you use the message? God, would you would you let your gospel ring clear to those who need to hear it? God, would you show me if there's someone I need to speak to this morning? If there's someone you want to use me to talk to or pray for this morning? Instead of saying, hey, you want to go visit the preacher? God, if you need help and you want some, some guidance, we're glad to do that, but we don't want you to shuck your responsibility. Right? And then the other thing that comes under a culture of evangelism is individual discipleship. I love what I'm seeing toward the end of 2016 is individuals in the church are starting to, 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 to bring others, maybe two or three around them, and, and they're saying, let's study together. Let me, let, let, let me mentor you. Let me, let me disciple you. Come alongside. Let's do the study. I love that. I want to see more of it. I want to see more, more of you who, who feel like, man, I think I'm at a point. You just got to be a couple steps ahead. You don't have to know all the answers. But where you're able to say, you know, let's, let's visit. Let's study together. Let's walk through life together. And if you want a resource, then come to us. We can give you a book. You want to do a book study with someone, and you just read the same chapter, and then you guys talk about it and go deeper. Or Russ puts out a Bible study guide every week based on the sermon. You can grab that. It's got study. It's got the verses. It's got some, some guidance on the back of it to help you understand what's being said. And then it's got some study questions. Man, that would be a great tool where you can take that and say, yeah, let's just work through this together. Maybe you've got some people at your job or maybe that you, you interact with. And, and, and maybe it's time for you to say, I want to I start reading. 
I want, I want to see us grow in that. And so, when you enjoy God, you enjoy worshiping God. I want to see us grow in that. I want to see us grow in enjoying God, and the outflow of that will be enjoying worshiping in God. So this morning, maybe some of you need to ask these questions. What do I need to do to prepare to come to worship? Am I doing anything? Do I need to do something else? Well, what do I need to do uh, to, to make this a priority where I show up? And when I show up, I'm there. And I'm not distracting people. I'm ready, and I'm expecting what God's going to do. And maybe maybe you need to, to ask God, God, how would you have me worship you this morning? How, how, how would it look? God, what, do you, what do you want me to do? Because I tell you what, if you're someone who's never raised your hands, and if that's a pride issue for me, and I'm speaking from experience, and you raise your hands, guess what happens? Pride goes. It's humbling. Why? Because I'm all of a sudden laying down what others think about me. I'm, I'm, I'm no longer caring in that moment about what you think. I'm saying, God, this is what I need to do to worship you right now. And it's humbling. If I stand like this and I, I feel, man, I, I think I want to raise my hand there, but I do this. My reason is I don't want to look foolish. I don't want to look silly. I don't know if it's acceptable, whatever. And I'm missing out on something. What do you need to do to engage one? And then what does it take for you to to contribute to a, an environment of evangelism where, where you're, you're praying, God, what do you want me to do this morning? Is there somebody you want me to talk to? Is there somebody? And don't be pushy. Please don't be pushy with people. Don't flood every one of our guests and, hey, I've never seen you before. Do you believe it? No, no, no. That's what I'm talking about. Please. Yes, I'm trying to protect you. I'm trying to protect you. But what I'm saying is, are you praying, God? You know, I've had several people throughout the, the years say, yeah, I noticed this person and it seemed like something was bothering them. Great. You go follow up with them. Don't come to me and say, hey, will you follow up with them? No, you just missed it. Right? God may have been revealing that to you because he had something through you he wanted to say that I can never say. What do you need to do? So God, would you help us to grow in our enjoyment of you? Because some of us this morning, maybe we need to taste you. Maybe we need to test you and find out who you are because we've never done that. Maybe we need to to, to, to investigate and, and see who you say you are and then test that. And see if you really are who you say you are and you're really as good as you say you are. And God, as we're doing that, we're going to find that you are. Maybe some of us this morning, we need to savor you more. And we say, taste and see. We need to savor you. We need to slow down and think more deeply about who you are, what you've done for us and who we are in light of who you are. And God, that, that starts to change us. That starts to stir up passion. Help us not to get far from the cross or our, our need for it. As soon as we start to think we don't need it, our hearts become hard. But God, instead, every day, remind us of the gospel, that it's something we have to preach to ourselves every day. We needed a Savior. We need that Savior still today. We need Christ's death for us. We need His prayers on our behalf. We need the forgiveness that comes from, from Christ's death. We cannot do that on our own. Every day we need that. God, would you remind us of that so that we don't get hard-hearted hard, and far from the cross? Then God, show us what do we need to do to enjoy you or deepen our joy in you so that we will also deepen in our enjoyment of worshiping you. We say and we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, hey, if you're able, please stand. Please, yes.
And if you are visiting, again, if you want to stick around for a few minutes, exit these doors, hang a right, and meet you down by the couches if you want to say hello or maybe have any questions that you want to get answered this morning. Taste and see the world. He's good. And then go and delight and joy. Take pleasure in Him. And do that in the name of the Father and the Son. Holy Spirit. Amen. See you guys next week.